Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our September heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is currently available at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com to treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Florence Ann Romano. Known as the Windy City Nanny, Florence Ann has worked as a childcare provider for over 15 years and believes the key to a family's success lies in focusing on what she calls the trifactor. Parent, child, and caretaker working in unison toward common family goals. She is also an author and a philanthropist who has always had a special place in her heart for children. Born and raised just outside of Chicago, Florence Ann earned a degree in performance theater at Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois. She has served as president and founder of a nonprofit board dedicated to autism awareness and now serves on the executive board of the Children's Research Fund at Lowry Children's Hospital and is the founding member of Sesame Street's Leadership Council. Florence Ann has been featured on over 400 national and local media outlets, including ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox TV affiliates, Home and Family, The Jenny McCarthy Show, and Sirius XM. She is currently the co-host of the parenting podcast, Finger Painting the Future. Florence Ann and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and tips for parents in navigating school, work, and play with their children during this school year and the upcoming holiday season. Good morning, Florence Ann. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. I'm very excited to learn more about you and the things that you do. So let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Well, I think I've always um, loved children, even from the time I was a child myself. I used to ask my mom to take me uh, to the hospital so I could have my baby. And what I meant (laughs) by that is, can you take me to the toy store so I can pick out a a baby doll? And, you know, I think that's where Mm -hmm. my, my love for children really started. And then I'd come home and make birth certificates for all my baby dolls. So I was, um, I was definitely meant to be, uh, in childcare in some capacity in my life. And so I went on to become a babysitter like a lot of young girls do. And that was the catalyst to me becoming a nanny. And then after I, retired from being a nanny, I really wanted to focus on child care and family and village advocacy on the other side of things. 
wrote a children's book uh, called Nanny and Me to help children understand the transition of being cared for by their parents to being cared for by a nanny or a caretaker. And now I'm very lucky uh, to be able to talk about uh, how important the village is in the world today, especially now seeing uh, what happened during COVID to all of our villages um, and concentrating on, like you mentioned, the trifecta, making sure that that parent, child, and caretaker relationship is solid and unified because it does affect the children and the family in general in a very big way. Um, so I'm very lucky to be able to talk about and do what I love and be able to experience so many different families and dynamics and um, get to see how the world of childcare and village changes. Very, very interesting. That's really wonderful. Sounds like, first and foremost, you have a kind of a fun life. <laughs> I would like to think so. All right, it's all about it's all about all the fun you can have. Um, you know, it's it, it definitely keeps me on my toes. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's definitely a different life than when I was a nanny. You know, I'm not mm -hmm. you know in mm -hmm. homes with families anymore. But I do feel like my reach is even greater now uh, because I get to talk to so many different families because of social media, because of the virtual world. I feel like I'm connected um, to many different villages, and I get to learn about um, how all families across the globe operate and what their wins are and what their struggles are. And so, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think for me, I'm always very curious, and that's always very fun for me, too. Wonderful. That's very, very exciting. How would you best describe your everyday environment when you were growing up? I had a, a beautiful, very happy childhood. You know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad uh, ran a, a third-generation family business, so he worked a lot. But I came from a multi-generational family under one roof. I live, you know, my, my mom's parents, my grandparents, we called them Nana and Papa, they lived with us growing up. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. At one point, my nana even shared a bed with me. Um, and so I think growing up in a multi-generational home exposed me to many of the values uh, that are so important to me as an adult. Uh, and so I, I grew up in a very vibrant home. Um, and, and because of all of the generations under one roof, it, it also gives you insight to um, how – how different things were back then and the things that we should be taking from life back then and utilizing today. Um, you know, we, we stand on the shoulders of giants, as they say, and my Nana mm -hmm. and Papa were. And I think they taught us a lot of lessons that I don't know I, if I necessarily would have learned as thoroughly and as as humbly, as as thoughtfully, as truly as I did if they weren't living under our roof. So I, I, I think my childhood, when I think back on it, yes, it was happy. And, you know, of course, there's always adversity. Everyone goes through adversity in their life. But I, I look at it as happy. But I also look at myself as very fortunate because I did get to live with my grandparents. And they, I think they were the sunshine, you know, for all of us. That's fantastic. Sounds like they were the major influences in your life during that time. And the interesting thing about it, what you just mentioned, I mean, I'm not saying that my life completely mirrored that because 
my grandparents passed away when I was relatively at a very young age, but the few snippets that I remembered about life, that's where this is the interesting part when you were talking about growing up in situations like that. And comparatively now, the big thing that it's out there for families and children is social emotional intelligence. But back then, it was how all housed within the family, and you have those influences teaching you that. Right. That's a very good point, is that I think that we had it built in. It was kind mm-hmm. of an automatic thing because, you know, you it was just part of your daily life. And you, you not that you took it for granted, but it was just a reflex. Um, and I think that now we, we do put more of an emphasis on the social-emotional learning uh, because, we're not seeing uh, the same type of, uh, of family dynamics, at least the multi-generational homes, the way we saw in the past. It's more old school. Um, so we have to look to different places in those villages in order to expose our children to that social-emotional learning. Um, and the way to do that is to continue to grow your village, is to continue to grow your circle mm-hmm. of different people that can influence them positively and also give them a chance to see how different cultures uh, behave or, you know, what's important to them. Uh, you know, all being able to open a child's eyes to the differences in the world, which are mm-hmm. all so beautiful, is very important. And the only way you are able to do that is if you take the time to actually proactively make sure your family is in an environment where that learning can happen. <laughs> That's true. Very, very true. Well, back then, too, social-emotional learning is something that we don't outsource. Now we do. (laughs) And for better or worse, that's very, very interesting. So that's a different sort of discussion, so to speak. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's a whole different topic, I think. But, you know, I think the, the important part of it is, though, that it's something that we have to be aware of. And I suppose the awareness of it is is what leads to change. But if, mm-hmm. if it's something you ignore, then I think down the line you start to see the consequences of that. Right, right. So true. I know you mentioned this before. You have always sort of have a special connection with children, but it turned out to be you wanting more dolls. So when did that shift <laughs> it to real children? <laughs> You know, real children, I started as a mother's helper around 11, and um, it was a great experience because I got to shadow the mom in that home and kind of see how she ran things and how the children, you know, uh, what the rhythm of their day was, what their energy Mm -hmm. was like. And so um, I started the same way a lot of young girls do, you know, babysitting. And I think Mm -hmm. that babysitting, you know, it has always been a traditional thing that you've seen young girls do and, and boys too, but more so girls. Um, but it, it it is a great responsibility. And, and that's why I think that when you do get the chance to babysit when you're younger, if you have the right skill set, you have the right temperament, all of those things, it teaches you a lot of lessons too. And I think one thing it teaches you right away is either you love to be around kids or you don't. And I don't shame <laughs> the people that don't want to, you know, that's, that's not for everybody. And taking care of kids is hard. Um, but I think for me, it was, it was always very interesting and it was always very fun. And um, I think I've always continued to be very, um, 
enchanted, I guess I would say, enchanted with children and, you know, just everything that comes with that. I would think one of the greatest skills, whether it's consciously or subconsciously attained from being a nanny, is the fact that you are always more in tune to the present moment, don't you think? I think that's a very good point. You know, you, you kind of have to be in the present moment because there's so many things going on when you're taking care of children that you, you can, sometimes can only concentrate on the, on the thing at hand, though a lot of, there's a lot of multitasking and planning that goes mm-hmm. with it. But I think the idea of learning to be present is a very important skill that I constantly probably need to be challenged with I think a lot of people do. It's hard to live in the present mm-hmm. when the world is so busy, when your mind is so busy. Um, but certainly taking care of children, I think, forces you to concentrate sometimes on the present moment because it needs so much of your energy. And one of the things I would think also that really you had acquired over the years and from a standpoint of consciously or subconsciously, you are an excellent person, when you look at people, you tend to individualize them for who mm-hmm. they are. Right. It's true. You do tend to individualize them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. I think we have to get to know everyone for who they are, not for what we assume they are or want them to be. Um, but I think the same is said for children. You know, children are unique beings, just like all of us are, and you have to get to know them. And I think that's part of the fun, too. Right. I meant it as a professional and personal assets because not many people seem to realize the special skills that comes with that, that you're able to connect on the one-to-one level. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I think that, that that's a very good point. I think that's part of what makes life so interesting is is that one-to-one connection. And I think we have mm-hmm. found more so even in in recent months and because of COVID and all of that, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that we do seek and even long sometimes that one-on-one because Mm -hmm. it it makes you feel validated. It makes you feel seen, heard, and understood. Um, And it's special. And everyone -hmm. everyone wants to feel like they they have that connection. Mm -hmm. So true. Can you tell us about your experience with autism? My brother, Michael, is 17 months younger than I am and was diagnosed at two years old. Uh, he is low-functioning on the spectrum. I would say that his uh, comprehension level is of that of a toddler, and he's uh, 34 years old currently. Uh, and he is the, the sweetest boy in the whole wide world. He is the apple of all of our eyes. We call him our sweet king. Um, and, but he, he and my grandparents, I would say, were probably the most influential uh, for me growing up. Because when you grow up with a sibling with special needs, uh, it opens your eyes to the world in a different way. It, it, it definitely prompts a lot of characteristics within yourself uh, that you, you never knew you, you had to work on or you never knew you had to, to put in your arsenal. I, I suppose, you know, for me, I, the common denominators between my grandparents and my and my brother is, you know, when you're dealing with elderly or special needs, it takes a great deal of compassion and patience. Um, mm-hmm. And they 
both both of those scenarios taught me that. And so, uh, and Michael continues to teach me lessons on a daily basis, you know, and you count your blessings. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I get to experience the world the way I do. Um, but, you know, he's just so pure of heart, you know, that I think all of us, you know, look at him and think, you know, that's, that's what you want to be. You want to be, you know, you want to have, you want to emulate the type of person he is because he's, he's just so pure, just so innocent. Um, you know, there's not a, a hateful bone in his body, a judgmental bone in his body. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I wish I could be more like that, but you know, we, it, it's hard for, for us typical, you know, neurotypical uh, people to, to not <laughs> judge, and, <laughs> you know, have, have feelings of, of hate or anger or things things like that. So um, there's certainly a lot of lessons to be learned from growing up with a brother uh, or a sibling with special needs. Sure, I understand that. My encounter with a special need person further enhanced that sort of individualization skills that we have, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we pay attention and we realize, like you say, everything is an asset and it really teaches to be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. It does teach you to be in the present moment. And it also teaches you what's important in right. life. I think sometimes mm-hmm. you get caught up in the minutia of life. You get caught up in drama or, you know, things like that. And um, I think when you're looking at a child or adult with special needs, you think to yourself, my gosh, you know, I have so much to be grateful for. It's, it's really <laughs> so much more simple. Life is really so much more simple than we make it. Uh, right. so it's a humbling, certainly. Right. So what started out as babysitting, and I'm not sure whether you got paid for it, because I remember when I was growing up, I get paid to clean the house. Let's put it this way. <laughs> 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 it's a bribery, right, to get kids to do things that they don't want to do. So when did this babysitting shifted to be a career because you became a professional nanny? I would say that, you know, it was, it was when I started, you know, kind of the teen years where mm-hmm. I you know, could be driving the kids around, that, you know, you, you could be doing more things that are helpful uh, for a parent, you know, as a babysitter when you're young, you know, and you can't drive, there's really, you know, not, you know, <laughs> kind of limited to the things you can do. But that was kind of the shift for me. And, you know, once I went to college, I also was nannying for my professor's children. And then I would come back in the summertime and go back to the families from my hometown. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of was a natural evolution, I would say. Um, and uh, it, 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 I stayed with uh, a lot of these families for many years. Um, and it just, uh, it, it, it's hard. It's, it's, it was hard to, to make the decision to leave, but when uh, Mary Poppins has a line that says, you know, you stay in prevention, <laughs> Right. And the wind changes for a lot of different reasons in life. And I it was the right time for me to to kind of retire as a nanny and and go to the other side of things. Um, But it was natural. I felt like it was a natural evolution from babysitting to becoming a nanny just because it was I was already in love with these children. I was already in love with Mm -hmm. these families. And to get to spend more time with them was was such a privilege. Very interesting. What was the most significant challenge? you face as a nanny? It's always difficult because you're not the parent, you know, so Mm -hmm. you have a lot of different, um, you know, ideas about, you know, how you think things should be done, right? Everybody has opinions about how they (laughs) think things should be done. 
But, you know, they're not your kids. However, you do have an interesting perspective uh, regarding the children because sometimes you see things the parents don't. And so there comes a challenge where, you know, you see things going on with the children and or they confide in you. And you have to try to keep the trust of the child, but also be able to go to the parents and say, this is what I'm seeing and this is what I'm hearing and I think you need to be aware and this is something we need to work on. So there's a fine line between you trying to operate as, you know, an authority figure, which you are in a, in, 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 mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but you have to remember that those still are not your kids. They do have parents and you have to respect your employer um, and mm-hmm. make sure that you're doing the right thing by all parties. So that can always be an interesting line to straddle. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to the September edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Florence Ann Romano. Known as the Windy City Nanny, Florence Ann has worked as a child care provider for over 15 years and believes the key to a family's success lies in focusing on what she calls the trifactor, parent, child, and caretaker working in unison toward common family goals. She's also an author and a philanthropist who have always had a special place in her heart for children. Florence Ann has served as president and founder of a nonprofit board dedicated to autism awareness and now serves on the executive board of the Children's Research Fund at Lowry's Children's Hospital and is a founding member of Sesame Street's Leadership Council. She is currently the co-host of the parenting podcast, Finger Painting the Future. Florence and and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and tips for parents in navigating school, work, and play with their children during the school year and the upcoming holiday season. So Florence, when does the village concept come in mind? I love the concept. So I really want to learn more about it. I have always loved the phrase, you know, all of us Mm -hmm. are used to the old, you know, saying it takes a village to raise a child, but I always felt that Mm -hmm. it was very ambiguous. It didn't give a whole lot of (laughs) direction, (laughs) you know, and and what I mean by that is, you know, who gives you directions to the village? You know, where is the village and is there a phone number to call or, you know, what's the deal? (laughs) And um, so I I really wanted to, to deconstruct that saying. And there were two things. I, I Yes, I do believe that it takes a village to raise a child, and I want to explore how you build that village for your family and for those children and for yourself as parents. But also the idea that even if you don't have children, that you are part of a village and or want to be part of a village or you are part of other people's villages. I don't, I'd like to chop that saying in half, you know, it takes a village instead of Mm -hmm. it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village. I think it takes a village in general, universally for all of us as human beings in order to survive and thrive. And so that's where 
that's where the concept really came from, is exploring the idea of what village looks like in so many different circumstances across the globe, in so many different cultures, in so many different households, and, and figuring out who also you are in the village mm-hmm. and who you need in yours and being able to kind of cast those characters in a way, kind of casting, it's like casting a play, you know, it's, it's casting those people in your life and taking inventory of what your skill set is as well in order to help other people. Cause I do believe, you know, life is about, you know, living a life in service of others and being there for others and helping each other. Um, but, I think people get stuck sometimes figuring out how to be part of the village or how to create one. So true. I presume this is the interesting part about the equation because you as a nanny, were you able to sort of formulate the village for a family? I believe in a lot of cases that the caretaker is is considered the village. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. people, even mm-hmm. the Emmys were just on recently, and um, I there were a few different women who won, and they actually mentioned their nannies when they mm-hmm. were giving their their ex, you know their ex, uh, acceptance speech for their award. And I right. thought that was pretty fantastic. You know that they were you know saying that they were able to do what they were able to do because they had the support at home to be able to do that. And so I feel that I, the, the, I guess the real, the, the, the first time I really started to explore it was figuring out what role was I playing in all of these households as a nanny and, and, mm-hmm. and what was I doing um, that was filling a gap or was fulfilling something um that wouldn't otherwise be there or was or was something that they specifically needed um and and hired me for um and then that started me thinking about friendships you know we have different mm-hmm. friendships and different people in our lives for different reasons each friend plays a different role in our lives um and we have them there for a reason we've cast them in that role for a reason but each friend is not always fulfilling the same uh the same need within you. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where it started from, is is figuring out that I was playing the role of the village to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But then I wanted to really drill down and see what that meant on a deeper level. Very, very interesting. Now, obviously, we all know in general there's a big shift. We're in the pandemic right now. What are your thoughts about the number one key to connecting with a child has that changed in many ways? Because of COVID, I think we've seen all of us have to learn how to kind of re-engage socially. And mm-hmm. children, you know, I feel terrible for them because, you know, they're masked up and children learn uh, through facial expression, through emotions, through things like that. And I think we saw the consequences of that uh, during 2020, at least when things were so, so grim. Uh, and what happened to children then? And even beyond what happened in the school setting, um, taking them out of school, taking them away from their villages, I think we forget that children themselves have villages. They have their friends. They have people mm-hmm. they count on. You know, we saw the suicide rates. We saw things like that skyrocket. And I think what that did was prove how important village and people and connection is. 
And now, you know, as people are reemerging from all of this craziness and actually able to connect with people personally, you know, we see what people are calling COVID babies, you know, where they mm-hmm. really, they were born during COVID and never really saw people other than the people who lived in their home. And the kids are scared and they're not very social and they don't want to be around other people. And so there, there is a challenge there. And I think that even kids that weren't born during COVID but were children maybe that were more shy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they weren't the kids that, you know, were, you know, uh, out there, you know, very gregarious and, and animated and making friends left and right. I think for the, for the children that are more shy, uh, it, it definitely retreat, you know, retracted them even more. And I think it, it gave them a reason to not have to make an effort um, to try to make friends or to be more social. And that's a mountain to climb, uh, I think, coming out of COVID now because they were able to isolate. Uh, and working on that skill set, again, can be there very difficult for children or even adults where it doesn't come naturally to be um, a, a naturally uh, a social person. That's true. One of the things that I talk about, which have always talked about, but now it's emphasized more because if you think about it, right, our facial expression, we can smile with our eyes. There's a certain mm-hmm. kind of look to it. So now, even though with the mask on, I tell people, well, focus a little bit longer because the eyes tells you everything, whether someone right. is happy or not or and so forth. So these are the things that we are going back to honing to being in the present moment and the one-to-one, as you talk about, relationships. That's, I really love that, I, the, what you just said about, you know, look into the eyes a little bit deeper, you know, because you mm-hmm. can see. And, and it's true. You, 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 there, there is that idea that you can see if you look into your eyes and you take that time to do that. Um, but it's, I think it's very important, like, what you just said, though, to, to take your time, though, I think that's what I, mm-hmm. I want to take away from what you're saying, is mm-hmm. taking your time to connect. And that's correct. And that takes a minute. You know, that doesn't happen instantly. Um, and you have to be present, and you have to be curious, and you have to be thoughtful. And these are all things, I think, that children don't necessarily, not, not even just children, just we in general, I think, are mm-hmm. not always born with that skill of how to be, how to connect with people or how to be a thoughtful communicator. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's our job as adults to teach children how you treat people, how you talk Mm -hmm. to people, how you get to know a person. Um, And so I think it's the same thing with children. If adults are having a hard time connecting with kids, you know, it's not always, it's not always easy to talk to a child. They don't really know what to say or things like that. It's, it's more so about getting them talking, about figuring out what they like and what they know and what makes them happy or what they're passionate about. And then once you you start to get them talking about things that interest them, you know, it's a runaway train, but the same goes for adults. Mm-hmm. Once you start talking about something that's important to the person, they start to open up and let that guard down. And it all begins with the connection of nonverbal communication, and that's being attention the one-on-one quality time. I believe this is the interesting part. I think as a child, they are more in that moment than you are. 
as uh, when I say you, not necessarily you, you as in we all adults, <laughs> because right. when they come yeah, and yeah. talk to you, they're looking at you. <laughs> they're trying to observe exactly. everything that that you they do. Are. <laughs> they are taking it all in, and they Precisely. want to see what you're saying next and what you're going to do, and they're watching and hearing you everything. You have to be right. very careful around kids because they're paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Is there an effective way to organize family time and kids' activity to reduce stress and meltdown going forward now, being that we're in school and with all the mayhem that we have out there? And then, of course, before you know it, it's the holiday season. Well, routine is very important. You know, I think, you know, children don't, if you were to talk about routine to kids, they would, of course, mm -hmm. kick and scream and be like, no, you know, I don't want anything to do with, you know, with uh, anything regimented. But they, they do respond to it well. And so I think as much routine as you can give your child, as much consistency within the home, uh, it does help. It, you know, children do respond, respond to boundaries in that way. Except one caveat to that, you know, our kids mm -hmm. are, are so overextended today. I mean, they do so much. They are constantly on the go. They're in so many extracurricular activities. We do need to remember to, to give our children a chance to rest because they do need it, just like we all do. They need that self-care time. They need that time to unplug. Uh, but all imagination comes from play. And we do need to give our children a chance to play um, and be able to explore uh, the different ways to be imaginative and the different ways to be creative. Uh, and so I'd say that as we enter the holiday season, as we, you know, go back to school, yes, make sure you are, you know, paying attention to the routine. Maybe you have it on your refrigerator, you know, what the schedule is for the day. There's a chore chart, whatever there might be, you know, based on the age of the children, you know, what they can comprehend and understand. Um, but I would say, you know, everything in moderation. That's usually, you know, the best way to do anything. You know, you, you know, in moderation, have the routine, have that structure, but allow for the fun, allow for the play, allow for the rest. And especially during the holidays, I think this holiday season, of course, will be even more important because last year most people were not able to be with any of their family. And I think this mm -hmm. this round is going to feel different. So allow yourselves time to connect, maybe even more time to connect and, you know, don't have your cell phone on you, put it in a drawer and, you know, take the iPads away from the kids and make sure they're playing <laughs> with their cousins and they're, you know, putting on plays in the backyard or, you know, in the basement or whatever it is that they're doing, you know, let them go back to being kids and kind of have some old school fun. Um, but I, I would say, you know, just, just paying attention to how, how, precious life is. Uh, I think we learned all that from COVID. And, uh, you know, of course, structure and routine is important. But I think at the same time, we need to remember that, um, you know, there there needs to be time for the other stuff, too. And that's equally as important as the structure. Sure. Very, very interesting. How does a nanny and another child care provider fit into the equation? A nanny has to be the extension of, of the family's values. I always say the nanny or the caretaker is the eye, you know, extension of the eyes, ears, and heart of the parents. Mm -hmm. um, 
so you, the nanny, have to make sure you're on board with what the family dynamics and values are. If you don't agree with the values of the family and cannot be an extension of that, then you shouldn't be working for that family. Uh, mm-hmm. And the truth is, a family shouldn't be hiring someone that doesn't align with them in that way. Um, So there's vetting that goes on both sides. The nanny needs to figure out whether or not that family is correct for them, and then the parents need to figure out whether the nanny is the correct person for them. Because it does need, like like I've gone back to about this trifecta, it does need to be a unified front. So making sure that the nanny is going to implement the routines and boundaries and structures and, you know, regiments that you have is all very important. That's part of the nanny's job. It's a big part of the nanny's job. Well, that's true. Very, very true. So when do anxiety and fear creep into the picture? I'd say anxiety and fear comes from a lot of different places, and it's isolated not just to the children, I think this Mm -hmm. is something that you see across the board. Anxiety and fear from parents, for example, they feel guilty, they feel anxious about leaving their children with someone perhaps who is a stranger. Um, Are they doing the right thing? Can they trust this person? Am I a bad parent for, you know, wanting to work uh, and and leaving my children with somebody? Uh, The anxiety that can come from a caretaker, you know, one of my best friends the other day called me and she said that her daughter had an allergic reaction at the daycare and one of the daycare providers was just beside herself because she accidentally gave her a piece of bread and she's allergic to dairy. And, you know, she, the, the, the teacher had made a mistake and just was absolutely crushed by, by, you know, the, the child was fine, had a very, you know, had a very tiny reaction. Um, but there's anxiety with that, watching a bunch of children and having to be aware of all of these children's allergies and special needs and things like that. That can come with a lot of anxiety and stress for a caretaker. Uh, and then for the child themselves, uh, there's a lot of stress that goes along with someone new coming into your life to take care of you that maybe you don't know uh, and being left alone with them and, and learning to trust that person um, and, and being separated from your parents uh, and, and even just the social anxiety that children have. Uh, so there's many different reasons that we can be stressed out have anxiety, have fear. But the way to try to combat that is by communication, making sure that everyone's on the same page about whatever the circumstances are. Children are very resilient. They tend to be able to deal with whatever they need to deal with as long as they are prepared or it's being explained to them. And I think as adults, we feel the same way. We can deal with what we need to deal with as long as we know the reasons why it's happening, how long it's going to go on, or whatever it is. But we we like to have information. So communication, I think, is key in relationships in general, but especially in the trifecta relationship. Very, very interesting. Wonderful advice. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to the September edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest on this morning is Florence Ann Romano. Known as the Windy City Nanny, Florence Ann has worked as a child care provider for over 15 years and 
believes the key to a family's success lies in focusing on what she calls the trifecta, parents, child, and caretaker working in unison toward common family goals. She's also an author and a philanthropist who has always had a special place in her heart for children. Florence Ann has served as president and founder of a nonprofit board dedicated to autism awareness and now serves on the executive board of the Children's Research Fund at Lowry's Children's Hospital and is the founding member of Sesame Street Leadership Council. She is currently the co-host of the parenting podcast, Finger Painting the Future. Florence and and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and the tips for parents in navigating school, work, and play with their children during this school year and the upcoming holiday season. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Florence and do expectations steal our family happiness and our ability to connect effectively? I think expectations uh, is a mixed bag. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think expectations uh, for people can be important. I mean, I think that we can have expectations of our children and ourselves that motivate us, uh, but I think that there can also be expectations that leave us disappointed or make people feel like we've set them up to fail. So I think it depends on the circumstances, but the way someone defines expectations, and again, the circumstances of, of the circumstances of those expectations, I think that's what can lead to um, to the adversity with that. Interesting. So keep the expectation down, then, basically. Well, I think that, I don't know. I think we can temper expectations. Certainly, mm-hmm. I think that. Um, Sometimes we we put expectations on people or things or circumstances, and we don't even know we're doing it. It's kind of a subconscious Mm -hmm. thing. And then we wonder why we feel disappointed later, and we're like, (laughs) oh, I guess I put an expectation on that, and I didn't realize that I did. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think this goes back to the idea of accepting the present moment and being Mm -hmm. present in the moment. You know, we can let our minds go wild and start to make make up all sorts of things in our head about you know, scenarios. Uh, and, and I think that, that that's also a different way of talking about expectations. Um, so it's, it's, I think tempering it is important, yes, but I don't think that we shouldn't have expectations of people um, because, again, I think that that's how we um, measure success, how we motivate, mm-hmm. um, how we encourage. Um, so I think it depends on the situation. Very interesting. That's true. Very true. You mentioned about how family needs to react and connect and so forth during this current challenging moment. So what is the best transition advice you have for families during our current challenges with COVID and schooling? Because what you have is that friends may not necessarily be in the same mindset as you are. For example, the masking. And we have lots and lots of things happening, especially here in Texas, where it's a little bit more corrosive than I would think in Illinois and Chicago, so to speak. It's hard because it's such a intense conversation. Anything surrounding, mm-hmm. you know, vaccinated, unvaccinated, masked, you know, unmasked. And I see a lot of families struggle with this, with relationships and friendships that they have with people because, you know, if they're, you know, uh, a a pro-vaccination family and, you know, there are friends of theirs that they've had for many years that 
have decided to not get vaccinated, you know, that's, that's a cause of tension now between them socially. Um, so I feel like that is difficult, um, especially if the children are going to suffer, if the parents are not going to allow the children to be together because of, um, you know, a vaccinated, uh, unvaccinated situation there, um, or a masked or unmasked situation. Um, you know, there's, it's very layered. It's very complicated right now. So I would say as, as honest, and like I said before, communication is key, as honest and as thoughtful and as as detailed as you can be based on the age appropriateness of the child uh, as as much as you can do that for your children right now mm-hmm. I think is important to make sure they understand the reasons why they can or cannot do something because it's not just good enough to say because I said so that it's just it's just that that's that's not doesn't fly anymore you know that old school I mean sometimes it does but not not when it comes to this because children are having a hard enough time standing why this is still going on you know here we are going into 2022 and we're still dealing with this you know I can't believe it will be already a couple years um and so I think as we go back to school as things do start to normalize a bit um, there's a lot of separation anxiety that comes with that. And I'm seeing it from the parents who have to go back to work, who have now been used mm-hmm. to being home and the children who have used, been used to being home and now having to go back to a traditional school setting. Um, it's the idea of also making your children feel like they're not the only ones that are having feelings about this. You, the parent, show them that you're having feelings about it too. It's okay for you not to always have all the answers as the parent. It's okay for them to see you, be scared about something, you know, or be, be nervous or talk about, you know, thing, how you're feeling. It will, the way you can relate to your children, it's a way to bond. Now, you don't want to scare them, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want them, your kids that are already scared and you're going to sit there and be like, yeah, you have a reason to be scared. You know, that's not what I'm saying to do. It's just the idea of, like, if they're having separation anxiety, you can sit there and say, you know, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time too, honey. You know, you know, I've spent so much time with you and gotten to have breakfast with you and, you know, now things are going to change. And, yeah, that makes me sad too. It's about just being able to relate and get down on a very uh, um, uh, symbiotic level. Um, and so I'd say right now just concentrate on the communication piece and also concentrate on the, the, the grace piece, giving yourself grace, giving people, other people grace, because this is hard. No one still really knows how to do any of this. We're all making it up as we go because we've never experienced something like this before, once in a century pandemic. So I think we still need to be very gracious with each other and ourselves as we figure out how to continue to navigate. So true. Very true. So where does mama's me time fit into the list? <laughs> I know, gosh, I know every mom is like listening right now. Like I have no time for that. But you know, self care is so important. And you know, p- you know, parents work so hard, especially those mommies. And I was just talking to a bunch of moms the other day, and I said, "Why is self care so important to you?" And they said, "You know, because if I'm not taking care of myself, you know, I'm the one who's in charge of taking care of everyone else." So nothing is going to happen. Nothing will happen. No one will get taken care of. Nothing will get done because I'm the one orchestrating it all. So if I'm not, if I'm not up to par, if I'm not up to snuff, if I'm not at my best self, then a lot of other things suffer. 
So making sure you take the time for that self-care is super, super important. And self-care to everybody looks different. Maybe it's a bubble bath to one person, but it is, you know, an hour nap to the other, or it's, you know, going out with your girlfriends for drinks, you know, once a week or once a month or whatever it is. Figure out what that means to you, but don't be embarrassed or feel guilty for asking for it, asking Mm -hmm. for what you need. That's true. Very true. How can families make friends with uncertainty? I think making friends is always going to be a bit of a challenge because it's a part of you that has to be very vulnerable. You have Mm -hmm. to want to get to know another person and you also have to let your guard down and let them in to get to know you. Um, but that's that's life. I mean, that is, relationships are, are really what sustain us or what nourish us. Um, so for all of the, the, the worry that comes with making new friends or letting new people in, I think that the the perks of it, I think that the, um, the, the, the wins uh, of that, uh, the advantages are more important and outweigh the disadvantages. That's true. Very true. Where can someone go to get more information about you and keep up with your latest happenings? I have a website, florencian.romano, or the best way to get a hold of me, truthfully, is uh, Instagram. I answer every DM I get, florencian.romano. Think of me as your virtual village. I'm here. Uh, like I said, I answer every DM. I I really want to be able to help you in your times of crisis or just um, talk through something or just make sure you feel seen, heard, and understood. And like I mentioned, my website, Romano, you could go there and there's tons of blogs with a lot of uh, information about things that we talked about today in more detail. Wonderful. Wonderful. How do you see the future of nannyship in the family setting going forward? I don't think we're ever going to see it go away. You know, over 64% of families in America today have a nanny or a caretaker, and that mm-hmm. statistic continues to rise in line with the employment rate and other, other things in the world. So I don't think it's a trend. I think it's part of our culture today. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see that the village is important, and a big part of that village is uh, caretakers. So true. What is next for you? Well, I'm going to keep working on the book, um, you know, the, the, the book about the village and uh, continue to uh, help families and be able to do more and more advocacy. Uh, I, liked, I would like to get involved, I think, in more, um, more to do with uh, say the, 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 um, the leave policy, the, the stay-at-home policy uh, for um, the maternity leave policy, paternity leave policy. Um, for uh, parents in America today, I think we saw a lot happen with um, COVID and how that affected people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'd like to see some changes made there to help make it easier for families to balance the, the life and work. Um, and uh, I look forward to, to continuing to, to be able to figure out what's important to people in terms of village and be able to make it easier and easier to access that. Wonderful. Looking back at your years as a nanny, what was the most rewarding experience? A few years ago, uh, a girl that I nannied for, um, she she's now grown, married, you know, successful. She's just just fabulous. 
And we saw each other at a wedding a few years ago. And it was like a movie moment. She was coming across the dance floor, and I was too. And I saw her, and I hadn't seen her in so long. And she hugged me. And when I pulled back to look at her, she had tears in her eyes. And I was like, what's wrong? And she looked at me, and she said, I just want you to know that you're still the voice in my head all these years later. And um, that was the holy grail moment for me. I think every nanny hopes that they, in some way, shape, or form, are impressionable, um, and even if it's just for a moment. Um, so when I heard her say that, I think in my in my heart, I knew that I at least had done one thing right somewhere during mm-hmm. her life. I had done one thing right. I had made many mistakes, and I, I know I had, um, and I will continue to do so because I'm human. Um, but just to know that my time with her was meaningful, not just to me, but to her, too, was, was a goosebump moment. Wonderful. That's beautiful. What advice do you have for all the nannies out there to sort of really inspire them? My advice is to make sure that you know yourself first. Know who you are because the only way you're going to be able to work for a family that you're going to be able to jive with, align with, is if you know your values and you have to know your values before you walk into a home where they're going to hope that their values align with yours. So spend some time thinking about how you feel about discipline, nutrition, punishment, all sorts of things like that. These are all values of a home that you're going to have to figure out what your stance is. Uh, And I think if you're prepared to go into a home knowing how you feel about these different subjects, it's going to make you that more attractive as a nanny because you're going to come to the table prepared. And also it's going to help you set up the situation for success. That trifecta, like I mentioned before, it's only Mm -hmm. successful if you're aligned. That's right. Very true. How about the family themselves? Because it's not about money here. Just because you have money to hire someone, that's not the end of the deal. So what advice do you have for families to prepare themselves and prep themselves to have the right synergy with a nanny? That's my same advice, too, for the family. If you have to know yourself, too, you have to know how you feel about discipline. Do you believe in corporal punishment? Would you let your would you let the nanny actually, you know, uh, Thank your child. You know, how do you feel about nutrition? Are they going to have to be able to cook and, and do things that are, are, are going to be able to make sure your children are having a balanced uh, diet? Are they up to the task to be able to do that? Does your family have any sort of special needs, special needs children, uh, you know, allergies, uh, any sort of thing like that? What, what makes your home work? What makes it tick? What's the rhythm of it? Um, and what's important to us as a family, and how are we looking to hire a person that's going to be an extension of that? All of that is important. Wonderful. And that's the secret to building that wonderful synergistic village that you were talking about. Correct. Fantastic. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? I always live my life uh, by the Maya Angelou quote, which is uh, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And that is my life advice usually always is concentrate on how you make people feel because that's the thing they're going to remember. Beautiful. That's wonderful. Well, Florence Ann, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. 
To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, September 28th. My guest will be Jim Phillips. Jim is a life strategist, speaker, best-selling author, and America's leading authority on living in full expression. Jim's work has been featured on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, and hundreds of nationally syndicated television, newspaper, and magazine, including Thrive Global, Bodhi Tree Magazine, Whole Living Magazine, 1111 Magazine, and Inspire Me Today. Jim and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey and his book, The Key to Life, as well as a wonderful conversation about why the truth is more important now. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed week. Fronzan, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. Such a delight. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.